there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom, joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there, Tom. How are you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good, thank you. That was sharp, short and to the point, Josh. You've got places to be? I'm just, uh, you know, I'm full of energy, so... Uh, Why is that? A, a mighty, mighty victory for the cabs this morning. Yep. Your uh, collection of Sunday League failures have... <laughs> One back-to-back games now, is that back correct? Back-to-back games, yep. Is that the first time that's ever happened? It feels like it, yeah. 8-1 today. 8-1? Yeah. How many people turned up for the other team? <laughs> Five? They they, uh, they had a big squad. They had lots of subs. The full full complement. We arguably should have had double-digit goals and uh, we definitely should have had a clean sheet, but we won't go there. You know, I like to think that your upturn in form has coincided with my... Return to the training pitches, just upping the level. You know, people fighting for their place. Oh, they've got, they've got, they've got this Tom kid turning up now. I mean, he's good enough to take any of our spots. He can play anywhere. I need to up my game. You know, I feel like that is probably what's happening here. Yes, I think that is a lot to do with it. I mean, you know, I I was asked by multiple people to to play up front for you uh, today, and I absolutely would have, but my, I've had my backside kicked by the third shot of the sweet sweet Pfizer it's absolutely not the stuffing out I feel like I've done nine back-to-back runs on Gwazi <laughs> oh that's that's rough I feel for you what is the most times you've ever done Gwazi back-to-back uh I don't think I've done Gwazi back-to-back at all actually oh, um, lightweight what well, is the what, you know. what is the roughest you've ever felt coming off of a theme park ride other than Obviously, hyperspace mountain, but you felt rough, I guess, for different reasons because yeah. your phone broke. Um, I don't know, actually. I don't think there has been a time where I felt rough. Uh, the first time I did Griffin was an experience because we was out on the edge, so we was hanging over nothing. But I, I went on that three times on the bounce. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> odd. Uh, yeah, my favourite time on uh, doing roller coasters back to back was uh, when there was a you know standard Florida storm. So everyone was cowering inside and we realised that the exit to Space Mountain was right next to the entrance to Space Mountain. So we could just hop over the fence and keep riding it over and wow. over again. Yeah. Wow. That's yep. that's rebellious to the extreme, but I like well, it. There was no queue, so it was, you know, we did it about ten times, I think. Jesus. Yeah, just waiting for the I storm the to mo- clear. Uh, the most extreme example of that I can think of is doing the flying unicorn. This uh, <laughs> for for younger listeners, this is what Flight of the Hippogriff used to be in the wizarding world at islands of adventure there was so little interest so little people coming on that ride that me and my sister were just allowed to stay on it by the ride attendant and did it probably six or seven times without even getting off the ride just uh, it's like that ride at uh, alton towers where it goes through the station once it it does two laps just as kind of standard it yes. was like doing that but six or seven times on a ride that isn't designed to actually do that but we were the only ones on it so good rude, times rude yeah exactly uh, I, I think quasi probably is the roughest i felt coming off a ride that or mission space first time on mission space that was pretty brutal anyway uh, a, a decent amount of stuff for us to talk about this week on the park rush podcast if you uh, follow us on youtube at all the channel name being park rush uh, you may have noticed that uh, the 
latest episode of Beastly D in Florida, the uh, remastered editions of Josh's 2011 Florida vlogs. That latest episode has gone out, so if you haven't seen it yet, do go and watch it. We are tantalisingly close to actually being in Florida. <laughs> we'll get there but, when we uh, get there. We absolutely will. We are contained to Gatwick uh, for the duration of the latest episode, but you know, it's got at least some, there are more holiday vibes to the whole thing than there were in yep. the first one. <laughs> there's, a, there's a plane, there's a train, there's an automobile. Yes. And so, yeah, you can look forward to the uh, third episode coming up this coming week. And then also there should be some videos of our uh, first two and a bit hours or so with Jurassic World Evolution 2. We streamed some of that the other night on our Twitch channel and uh, some of that footage will be going up in uh, in little chunks, I would say, on the YouTube channel over the next few days as well. And we will be playing some more of that, we hope, in advance of doing a Theme Park video game review episode of the podcast for next week. But uh, just as a tease, Josh, how, how are you finding it so far, Jurassic World Evolution 2? is it, a game we weren't huge fans of when we reviewed the first one on the show last year or the year before. Yeah, I um, I think I'm quite enjoying it, actually. I like the vibe of it. I think. Mm. Um, yeah, I think there seems to be a bit more going on than in the first one. It, it mm. is very familiar in a lot of ways. You know, the kind of core design of the game is pretty unchanged. And even, you know, the visuals and the UI and you could absolutely mistake it for an expansion in some ways. But the more you play it, the more you, uh, the, the more of the new features kind of expose themselves and make you realise that, oh, okay, they have they have definitely made some wor- worthwhile changes around the edges here that make it, you know, a more compelling and I think less repetitive game so mm. far anyway. But yeah, like I say, we'll have some videos up soon, a full review on next week's podcast, hopefully, and uh, yeah, maybe another stream if we have time. But uh, it's exciting. Yes. This this year of our Lord, 2021, Josh, it may have been, especially the first half of it, pretty dire. However, it has given us two new theme park films and a new theme park game. So what a can't season. complain too much. What, what a season. season indeed. And of course, you know, not just a new theme park video game this past week, but arguably even better news came with the US border reopening to... International tourists, including the Brits. We're back, Josh. Ready to do it all over again. It's been really nice seeing pictures of, you know, family reunions and whatnot that people have got used to seeing uh, at airports over these past few months. But obviously it's taken America a little bit longer to welcome people back from Europe and the UK and elsewhere. So it's been really nice, but also it's been good to see, uh, you know, some of the British Think Park vloggers and bloggers and podcasters start to uh, pump out some Florida content for the first time in over well, almost two years. So I don't know if you saw, Josh, they kind of put on a bit of a show at, uh, or certainly made a fuss of the first Brits to arrive at Orlando International Airport oh. on the Monday, on the 8th of November. Lucky them. Sort of balloons and uh, like crowns for the uh, visitors to wear. It was all a bit silly, but quite fun, and uh, I did enjoy the pictures. So, uh, and I'm sure the theme parks are grateful for the extra extra guest numbers as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the uh, bumping the numbers up can only be good for the theme parks. Um, 
and good luck to them. And you're telling me, Josh, that you're still, having seen all these emotional pictures, you're still going to turn down the chance to go back to Florida next year? I don't believe it. You better, you better believe it, sister. I don't believe it. I can't believe this uh, self-appointed uh, Thing Park podcaster uh, is refusing to go to the home of Thing Parks. What is this, everyone? <coughs> well, send, in your, send in your views, podcast at parkcrush.com. Make it clear uh, just how wrong... Josh is in 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 his entrenched views. I uh, well maybe maybe I'll be going to Tokyo instead. You know I can't can't afford to do both. They're not going to let you in, Josh. They'll let me in. I'm you know number one or number two, depending on how you want to look. You know I'm a face. Park Rush podcast with big time. I guess so. I mean, just make clear, I suppose, that you're that you promised to produce. A uh, long-awaited sequel to Beastly D in Florida, Beastly D in oh, Japan. Imagine, and and maybe that would be enough for them to yeah. loosen the rules just for you. I'm big in Japan, so uh, I did also, however, uh, feel a bit sad looking at some of the pictures uh, from the uh, the first day of the border being open, uh, because you had, of course, uh, lots of international guests queuing up for the uh, Disney's Magical Express, which of course is being discontinued next year. Oh. And uh, that was a decision that was made either earlier this year or last year. I can't remember, but it's since COVID. Yeah. And I just wonder whether or not over these next few months there will be maybe a realisation of just how important that service still is to a lot of people who come from abroad and uh, rely on it to start their holiday. Uh, And I think, yeah, it will be a shame, you know, relying on locals for the vast majority of the past year and change. Clearly, Magical Express may well have felt like a a sunk cost, but um, it certainly looked busy on Monday. And uh, I think we'll continue to do pretty good trade until it closes, just because we we have more international guests coming back. Seems like your best way, uh, if you don't want to rent a car, will be to get a... uh one of those uh, mini buses to the uh, to Disney. Yeah, or an Uber, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, I guess it's it's the same thing, right? But what's the other one that? Because don't Disney have some sort of arrangement with another with Lyft? Yeah, cab, they're called, cab, cab, they're Lyft mini buses, but mini is oh, spelled like mini mouse. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, fair enough. There were some uh, financial results from uh, Disney this week. Uh, pretty dry stuff, but there was one kind of headline figure uh, via Thing Park Insider that I thought you might want to rant about Uh-oh. briefly, Josh, or, or for you know hours and hours on <laughs> end. Uh, could go either way. Uh, he said that about one third of Walt Disney World visitors at the moment are upgrading to Disney Genie Plus. Maybe more than I expected, but I think my expectations were based on the response to it in the kind of theme park online theme park bubble and maybe this is just more evidence that the vast majority of people clearly that go to these theme parks don't pay attention to the discourse online they're just going for a holiday or a day out and they want it to be as convenient for them as possible to get stuff done and if they see disney genie plus as making it easier for them to get round and do the rides then that's enough for them to put the money down and upgrade to Disney Genie Plus and, and buy some lightning lanes and all that kind of stuff. But as as an informed theme park expert, Josh, are you surprised, stroke disappointed that it seems to be doing decent trade so far? 
I am sort of surprised it's only a third, actually. I feel like, oh. it, you know, I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but um, I don't. I just don't like people. Uh, people make bad choices in their lives, and one of them would be getting uh, Disney Genie Plus. And uh, I, 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 yeah, I'd, I'd imagine more people would be getting it personally. It just feels like a yeah. thing that people would fool, foolishly buy. Yeah, I'd be curious. I'm sure these figures probably exist somewhere, but I, I wonder what the kind of how many people, let's say, buy the Express Pass stuff at Universal, you know, because that's probably the closest uh, comparison point to yeah. to the Genie system. I, I don't know. A third sounds like a lot to me. I mean, maybe I'm naive and ignorant. You know, I no, I say maybe I am. I am naive <laughs> and ignorant, but it does sound like a lot to me because it's nothing. And again, all comes back to me being in my own little bubble. It's never something that we've considered. The idea of buying to skip ride lines. Just no thank you. Like, we'll pay enough to get in here, thanks. Uh, we fully expect to be able to have a damn good time and get on the rise without needing to spend more money. Any extra money we spend in this theme park is, uh, you know, if we need to eat and if there's, like, a fun souvenir that we simply must have. But the idea of having to pay more to do the bare minimum when it comes to your expectations of a theme park, which is go on some rides, never yeah. appealed to me or any of us. So the idea that a third of people are quite happy or quite willing to uh, cough up for this uh, genie service is kind of bizarre to me, to be honest. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not really sure how it's translating to the wait times, both for the standby line and for the uh, genie lines and lightning lanes. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other bits here that I um, that are kind of Disney-related, uh, parks-related, kind of not. One of them, which isn't, is... Chapek has said that the company plans to get more involved in sports betting uh, through the through the ESPN <laughs> brand. Uh, wow, I am very that. anti betting. I I I find it pretty abhorrent, and I think the the way it is sold and advertised to people is really disgusting. And yeah. you know, I could get on a soapbox and go on about this for a really long time. I especially hate how it is such a massive focus for you know a massive part of sponsorship deals in sport. I just think yep. it's irresponsible and the worst. The very idea of uh, a CEO of a of of a company like Disney coming out and being like, "We think we're going to get into this," uh, yeah. is kind of gross to me, especially in 2021, where I feel like you know the, people uh, are more sensitive to the uh, ill effects of betting. And yes, you know, you watch most betting adverts, and it's almost like watching an advert for some sort of medical product in the US, where oh, they spend. They spend 30 seconds telling you about the medicine product and then 90 seconds listing all the side effects and ways it can go wrong. When the fun stops, Tom. When the fun stops, stops, Josh. Uh, And for me, you know, I I think the fun should never start when it comes to Disney getting into betting. Like, no thanks. Like, where where is the line? They bring betting kiosks into the theme park. Yeah, so he he says, uh, Disney's research now shows that the company getting into sports gambling would strengthen the ESPN brand without harming the Disney brand. Obviously, this is a massive like turnaround for Disney because mm. they have been quite opposed to gambling in the past. Well, as they should, you know, but the idea of brand, the brand image has kind of gone out the window or they're, or they're kind of, they're trying to protect the Disney brand by doing all the kind of dirtier stuff uh, under the umbrella of the, uh, under the, the smaller umbrellas of the other brands that they own. Yeah, it seems to be the the thing. 
It's similar to what we've seen with Facebook in a way with their uh, meta rebrand as a way of trying to be like, oh, all that nasty stuff you've heard about, you know, Facebook. I mean, we're not even Facebook. We're we're meta, you know. Ignore all that stuff. Yeah, there's another thing here that uh, Theme Park Insider picked up on. Uh, Christine McCarthy, who's the CFO of Disney, and this is a quote. She says, just last week I was talking to our park senior team about things we could do there. There are a lot of things that are worth talking about. You know, we can adjust suppliers, we can substitute products, we can cut portion size, which is probably good for some people's waistlines. We can look <laughs> at pricing when necessary, but we aren't going to t- just straight across and increase prices. So, uh, yeah, throwing like shots across the bow at the, the guests as well. It's nice of them. Yeah, very nice. Uh, very nice indeed. Yeah, well, we can look at pricing when necessary, but we aren't going to just go straight across and increase prices. So... Um, to me, that reads as, well, yeah, we're not going to make that hot dog go from six bucks to eight, but the hot dog's going to shrink. Yeah, it's now actually, the real value of it is only three bucks. Yeah, exactly. God, it's, maybe you're right, Josh. Maybe you shouldn't go to Disney. Yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, we had kind of, I mean, nothing is set in stone yet for our trip next year. I think we had kind of assumed we would do Disney and, and go big on Disney, but I have a feeling that, you know, once we once we sit down and properly start mapping out like, OK, we've got 18 days, how are we splitting this time up? Because it's, it's all well and good saying we want to do all of these parks and some of them twice. But as we learned from our 2019 experience, doing a theme park almost every day is maybe maybe sounds fun on paper. But once you're kind of on day seven of that nine day streak of parks, you're like, I could do with a day off. And mm. I wonder, I think if sacrifices are made uh, on the itinerary, I think the the the, the Disney parks are going to be more likely to end up on the chopping block than than any of the others, to be honest. So, And stuff like this will make me feel better about that anyway. You know, there would have been a time a year ago where I'd be like, oh, you know, yeah, we are damn, damn well sure doing all the Disney parks. There's new stuff and it's the 50th anniversary and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Looking at it now, there's part of me that wants wants as little to do with the Disney parks as possible. Like, I want to go, I want to see some of this new stuff. But beyond that, I want to kind of sink as little time and money into this company as I possibly can. Yeah, yes. Um, So I'm going to watch the NFL on ESPN tonight uh, and then (laughs) watch something on Disney Plus after that. So that's fine. (sighs) Yeah. It's it's all very dirty. I don't like it. How long do you think Bob Chapek will last? Because obviously, from what I, from where I can see, his, his brand image is not particularly good. Like his PR is not in a great spot, given some of the things that have gone on. This yeah, kind of rhetoric won't help. But at the end of the day, it's all about the bottom line. Uh, I don't when it think comes to whether or not investors would ever try to force him out. Having a bad so... brand image is not a bad thing these days. I mean, you look at him, you look at, you know, Facebook is still massive. Amazon is massive. Bezos is a complete douchebag. Disney are still going from strength to strength. They're not, you know, they make more money every year. So the investors are quite happy. And generally speaking, people are ignorant to what JPEG does. Yeah, we are, no, no, we are right. hyper aware of it because we're in the industry in a way. But, you know, yeah. Dave down the road doesn't know, doesn't care. Slightly adjacent to, to this stuff, uh, the, the financial results and the implications for the parks, the Genie Plus news. 
Disney World allocating up to 93% of ride capacity to Lightning Lane. That was a headline that uh, came up on your radar this week, Josh, via blog Mickey. So before you get into it, just uh, just to briefly, I guess, remind people what Lightning Lane is. So Lightning Lane is a, a kind of a strand of the Disney Genie experience, uh, or is Disney Genie Plus, uh, for a, a set amount each day per guest uh, will allow you to essentially skip the lines for rides at the parks. Two of the more premier rides at each park will require an additional lightning lane purchase per guest to skip the queues. So these yes. are rides like Rise of the Resistance, I think. These are rides like Snow White and Space Mountain and Magic Kingdom. And uh, yeah, this blog, Mickey Headline, a bit alarmist. Clearly, you 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 go deeper on this and, and it's this is kind of a worst case scenario for for what would happen with the lightning lane on a given day, but still something to be concerned about, I guess, Josh. What, what's going on here? Yeah, so um, lightning lane is also uh, just the generic name for what was the fast pass queue. They are now all just called mm. lightning lanes. And so I guess these numbers are probably similar to the fast pass numbers. There's three phases of how much capacity from each, from the standby queue or from lightning lane queue uh, that the staff are, are required to let through at a time. And we'll get to the, the big number, the 93% uh, in a second. But the, obviously there's three th phases. For phase one, which is a kind of normal operating phase, they want a ratio of one to four. So that means for every one standby queue guest that they allow in, they have to allow in four lightning lane guests. So if you, you know, for example allow a family of four from the standby queue in that means they'd have to allow 16 from lightning lane phase two uh, is when there's a bit more of a like elevated demand uh, and in phase two the ratio goes up to uh, in between one to, in one to 14 uh, to 20 to 90 so again if you let in a family of four that jumps from uh, 16 up to 26 guests minimum uh, depending on the uh, how big the ratio they want to go is so family four and standby queue goes in at one to four uh, one to 14 sorry they'd have to let in 56 from the lightning lane and in phase three which is worst case scenario which is where uh, there's overwhelming demand and the ratio here ranges from uh, one to ten uh, to uh, one to five this says but i mean the numbers don't quite seem to line up here so i'm not sure if there's a typo somewhere but basically at this level is where you could have 93% of the capacity of the ride um, allocated to Lightning Lane rather than standby. Uh, and obviously that what that does is it pushes the standby queue up. So it goes to, you know, your four, five, six hour queues. And hopefully that pushes guests into other area of the parks is what they would be thinking about doing. Right. Obviously, if you just got rid of the Lightning Lane, uh, the regular queue would move faster. That is very true. But, but you don't have to pay to go in the regular queue, Josh. So uh, yeah, so I think there might be a f there might be a typo in the phase two. I don't think it might. Be, I don't think it's one to fourteen. I think it might be. I think that might be one to four still. One to four to twenty to ninety. Yeah. But uh, potentially quite grim and frustrating. I think. I mean, clearly, if you did pay up for this, you would expect to get on the rides quicker. But I guess if you're allocating that much capacity to lightning lane then it's because there are lots of people using it so that queue isn't necessarily guaranteed to move 
all that fast anyway and then the standby line guests are just completely screwed over in this scenario because hardly any of them are getting on so yep. it's hard to really <laughs> it's really hard to to see how this benefits the guests at all to be honest i mean the the guest numbers on a given day would have to kind of be so optimized to ensure that guests in the standby line are getting on in reasonable time and the lightning lane guys are getting on just a bit enough a bit quicker so that it feels worthwhile but i think you know day to day if it's a busy day in the parks both queues are going to end up going a lot slower than they otherwise would if if one of them didn't exist so that sucks because clearly on paper especially if you're not super engaged with how this stuff works if you turn up day one of your holiday and it's busy at the parks oh hello siri and it's uh, busy at the parks you would probably think to yourself oh okay well this is probably a good day to get the line skip thing right i mean look how busy it is around here uh, and that is the exact scenario that will create these kinds of problems so no fun no fun at all uh, there, there was other one other line from all this disney financial update stuff this week in fact and again this was this was your friend of mine christine mccarthy who uh, when she wasn't poking fun at people's waistlines she was talking a little bit about how um how some of the parks might expand over the coming years uh, so she briefly mentioned a few projects one of them was all the stuff that's going on at epcot which I'm reading from Blog Mickey here and obviously not been on the ground in Epcot for a long time, but it's a bit of a construction site right now, similar to how Hollywood Studios was a few years back, I mm. think it's fair to say. And Disney have kind of got this deadline of October next year for the 40th anniversary of Epcot to kind of get all this stuff finished. And it seems like if they were to continue working at the current rate, that would be quite unlikely. So they might end up having to chuck quite a lot of money at Epcot over the next nine months or so to make sure that it's ready to go in time. Yeah. So that's um, all the kind of stuff they're doing around the entranceway. And to think that Disney uh, right now are at their lowest level of investing in the theme park since 2013. Really? Yeah. I mean, I um, guess 2013... I mean, would that have been around the time... Well, what was going on in 2013? Would that have been around the time they were starting to siphon money away and uh, towards stuff like Galaxy's Edge, or would it have been a bit early for that kind of thing to be happening? Because that would explain it, obviously, Galaxy's Edge, despite some of the cuts that were made to it, well, still ended yeah, so, up being very expensive. Uh, 2013, it was, they uh, invested $2.1 billion, uh, and then it jumps up to uh, 2.7, 3.6. 4.2, 3.1, 3.8, and 2.9. Uh, this year it has dropped down to 2.2. You know, pandemic is uh, an explanation to an extent, but everyone will hope that that does change. And I suppose it's a strange look going into the uh, 50th anniversary to think that they are spending, uh, you know, almost a decade, uh, a decade-long low, if you like. Yeah, going into such a big year or big eighteen months for for the resort. Uh, she also talked about Avengers Campus, which, of course, over in Disneyland or California Adventure, rather, still hasn't got, of course, this e-ticket ride that uh, all the excitement or most of the excitement, I think, was based around this kind of 
I, I think the idea was this kind of Quinjet experience that would have you flying over various Marvel locations. Uh, work on that hasn't even begun, so that's you know going to be a, a good number of years away. I think you would hope to see work kind of start on that next year, I think. If they were going to yeah. have any hope of getting it out in, say, 2024, 2025, I think. I mean, based on how slowly Disney moves on their theme park construction these days, I think a 2022 start, you probably are looking at 2024, 2025 for that to be finished if it ends up being as ambitious and grand as people hope. You know, if it ends up being this kind of cutback, scaled back thing, then maybe it won't take that long. But still no sign of any movement on that at the moment. No. Um, 2022 is when they uh, hope to build to start uh, London Resort. <laughs> yeah, good one. I mean, we'll quickly, <laughs> we'll touch on London Resort in, in just a second. The, the other thing that she mentioned was Galaxy's Edge. And of course, I mentioned just there how Galaxy's Edge w- was scaled back a bit compared to kind of some of the original visions for it and there's plenty of concept art floating around of attractions and and other experiences that didn't make the final cut so i suppose those would be kind of the first port of call if disney decided to invest in galaxy's edge and open some more stuff there i'd imagine the first things to look at would be some of the stuff that was previously planned and just didn't end up seeing the light of day Mm. yeah I think so, because uh, there was uh, originally the canteen was meant to be bigger, right? And they've scaled that back. And yeah, one of the things that Blog Mickey highlights is this thing called the Calicori Club, which would have been right behind Ogre's Cantina, and was more of a table service restaurant and was yes. sort of like dancing holograms and things like that. And uh, yeah, I, I suppose that it's literally located right behind Ogre's Cantina. The building is there. It is a it's kind of a site that sits vacant and could be built out into into this Calicori club, and you know, it'd be some other way for guests to spend money, which I, I'd imagine would make it fairly attractive. You know, probably be something Disney would look at before they were to look at another ride, for example, would be a, a restaurant. Yeah, I think so. Uh, some of these other rides, I mean, there's one that there is concept art for which would have been a kind of slow-moving... Uh, I mean, Blog Mickey describes it as a banther ride. I guess you could think of it as something like almost uh, some sort of Galaxy's Edge take on a on a transport ride that gives you kind of good aerial views of the land in the mm. same way as sort of Zeus Trolley train ride or something like that, you know, fairly or, cheap, uh, uh, low-level. Or, or Yoshi, yeah, yeah, Yoshi at Universal Japan. Some of these other ones sound a little bit more out there. There's a bounty hunter ride concept uh, where guests would take on the role of a bounty hunter and be be chased down by the authorities. And a speeder bike race, which, uh, yeah, sounds potentially like it could be quite good fun, but, again, very sort of vague in terms of the description of what exactly that might end up being. So, uh, yeah, we will wait and see, I guess, but I won't hold my breath for sort of major additions to Galaxy's Edge anytime soon. What about London Resort, Josh? Can we expect that anytime soon? Well, they're hoping to get it start, project started in 2022 uh, and ready to be open for 2024. However, it has been officially confirmed that uh, the site is now a site of special scientific interest, or SSSI, by Natural England. Blooming um, hippies. Bloody hippies coming over here. 
saving the birds and the weird <laughs> spider things. <laughs> Obviously, London Resort and a few other parties formally objected to that action. Uh, so it's not the final nail in the coffin, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and no doubt, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's an SSSI or not. The government could probably come in and overrule it if they really wanted to. Yeah, that's very true. I think I, I do think that that is possible. If, the if government... we know anything about this government is they like uh, ruining the environment in favour of, um, you know, waste mainly at the moment. Look at this guy. He doesn't want to go to Disney World. He's talking about a prospective new theme park as waste. I can't believe this. I'm, I, I hope the London Resort gets built. It looks like <laughs> they have a very good plan in place. Uh, it looks like they will uh, look after the uh, wildlife uh, areas specifically. You know, that was built into their plan, so I'm quite happy about that. Mm. But, you know, will it happen? Probably not. Does this mean, though, does the SSSI mean that it won't become a housing estate? That's the real question here. We keep making that joke, Ooh. but... Maybe, yeah. Maybe it will just end up being nothing. The thing yeah. is, though, Josh, I mean, this being earmarked for a theme park has meant a lot of businesses have have closed. You know, yes. This was kind of a bit of an industrial site, and they all got out of there because they were fully expecting um, this theme park to get built. So I'm not quite sure, really, what this means for them, and I'd imagine there will be a lot of frustrated people. I mean, they might have got a, a big payoff out of being asked to close essentially so the theme park can go ahead I, I don't really know the full extent of those details but yeah I mean it's from the outside looking in it's we're not talking about sort of some sort of lush uh, environmental uh, utopia here it, it, it's not somewhere you're going to go for a photo shoot put it that way but clearly uh, there is a reason it's been granted this designation by natural England, uh, there is a lot of wildlife uh, that calls that place home, and you know any any sort of construction work, any sort of industry is going to find it hard to argue that they are. I mean, they're going to be viewed with cynicism. It just comes with the territory. You know, it's all well and good saying all this about how you pledge to protect the wildlife and protect the environment. The bottom line is, if you come and build here you are creating a worse environment for those animals and for that wildlife. You cannot possibly argue that they will be better no. off for yeah. the theme park being there than if there was no theme park. So, um, just, um, you know... We as a nation have an issue with the environment anyway. You know, we, we talk about how great our countryside is, but it's generally speaking, like, ecologically dead. Um, very few yeah. bugs and things like that out in the wild, so... Uh, you know, when Jeremy Clarkson is trying to do something about it on his uh, farming show, you know you've got a problem. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because there is there is generally massive resistance to building on green sites in this country. Like there is, you know, people would much rather generally see sort of housing estates and things like that built on brownfield sites. Yeah. But that does mean, that does limit, obviously, the space you have to work with. And there's a massive housing crisis in this country there's a bit of a jobs crisis to an extent. A project like this would obviously, um, you know, work towards solving that locally. But people will will always object to things being built on on green land, even though, as you say, there is kind of a shocking. There has been kind of a shocking 
been a bit of a shocking decrease in the variety of wildlife that does live uh, in the UK. And that's even in places where we haven't built all over it. Uh, one would imagine the London Resort, if they can, will will appeal. I mean, they have obviously publicly objected to this uh, in advance of the uh, SSSI being formally declared. I think it was back in the summer. The kind of intention was clearly there from Natural England and, and the London Resort came out and said, hey, look, uh, we object to this. We are convinced that we will be good custodians of this land. But um, yeah, a setback for sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens. What do you think, Josh? It's going ahead. Are they going to start in 2022? I don't see it. I don't mm. see it. Um, I hope. I hope so, in a way. But will it happen? I don't know. I doubt it. Well, we shall see. And uh, I think that's going to just about do it. I can smell pizzas wafting up through the house. Oh boy! From downstairs. Very exciting indeed. So we will we will leave it there, but there's there's plenty of stuff coming up. The old Park Rush uh, metaverse this week. D- delighted to say, more stuff coming on the YouTube channel of the Jurassic World variety and also of the Beastly D in Florida variety. So that's very exciting. Uh, as I said, we if we can, we will find some time to maybe stream a little bit more of Jurassic World Evolution Two on our Twitch channel. Uh, we are Park Rush. Uh, both on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Park Crush Podcast, uh, and we will, of course, tweet out uh, the various links to our streams and videos as and when they happen. You can get in touch with the show there too or at podcast at parkcrush.com. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcasting app. That's going to do it. Stay safe out there, everyone. Get your booster jabs when you're invited. When are you going to get yours, Josh? Have you been invited yet? We got our second ones around the same um, time. I am. I am now considered a, a, a healthy man, and so oh. don't need a booster yet. Um, why don't you? Uh, why don't you go through the booking service? You could go to one of the vaccination centres. Well, I tried to book it through the website, and it said no. So, yeah, it said you're maybe, maybe not try again. Unwell enough to get this booster? <laughs> I've tried two times this week, and both times it was like no. You're too healthy. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, I do have I my flu jab coming up, though. So, you know, getting them in. Yeah. I'm getting my flu jab this week, too. So that's very exciting. I'm going to feel like Thanos when he puts the last Infinity Stone into his glove. Uh, he had five, I guess, right? So I need a fifth jab. What could be my I mean, fifth jab? Silicon? <laughs> uh, Don't think rabies. I need it, to be fair. The nurse thought I was under 16. So... <laughs> Uh, Don't think there's any need for any of that just yet. Um, what's the um, yellow fever? Was it malaria? I can't remember. There's one of them where you, if you go to some South American and African countries, you need a, a vaccine part. You've had needed a vaccine passport for years to go there because they don't want you clogging up their health system because you're not vaccinated against. Uh, yeah, I think it's yellow fever, but I could be wrong. All right. Well, uh, fingers crossed you do get invited in the not too distant future for your booster jab. And nice. um, you can feel the pain as I have. <laughs> Hopefully I'm better in time for next week's podcast. I'm sure I will be. Join us then. Take it easy. Goodbye. See ya.